good morning to everyone. For those that don't know me, my name's Derek. I'm an elder here at Cornerstone, and I'm bringing God's word this morning because our pastor's on annual leave. And it's kind of appropriate that we look at Psalm 1 on January 1. I thought of a great introduction, but really it's because Mark asked me to preach on Psalm 1. Um, I also just want to say if you a visitor, welcome here this morning. It's great to see so many young faces, especially on a New Year's Day. I know it was a late night last night, um, but it's, it's encouraging to see so many people that still you know, have that desire in their heart to serve the Lord and come listen to His Word. And I've got quite a bit of family visiting here from South Africa, so to them I say, welcome and goeiemorgen. So, um, please open your Bibles at Psalm 1, and we're going to be going through the six verses of Psalm 1, and I suggest that you keep the Bible open there at Psalm 1, because I'm going to be in and out of the verses the whole time, and referring you back to the verse. Um, so let's read Psalm 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So far from God's word. So what we find here in Psalm 1 is a kind of a wisdom meditation. And Psalm 1 presents two very contrasting views of the people in the world. I don't know if you noticed the contrast as we read through the six verses. But verse 1 to 3 talks about the blessed man, the righteous man, that's like a fruit tree bearing fruit in time and that's firm. And talks about the wicked man, the cursed man, who bears no fruit, is not firm, and is on the way to destruction. The fact is that this contrast is visible to us all through Scripture. From Genesis to Revelation, there's never a gray area. God shares with us that there's two types of people in this world. The cursed and the blessed, the saved and the unsaved, the wise and the foolish. Jesus says there's a narrow road, there's a wide road. There's good fruit, there's bad fruit. There's true prophets and true teachers, and there's bad prophets and bad teachers. This contrast that we see in Psalm 1 is evident through our whole creation. 
And that confronting truth is that it's true of everybody that's sitting here this morning. It's true of us as well. This morning you are either on this side, unbelieving, cursed by God, or on this side, believing and blessed by God. You either don't know God, don't know Jesus, and Scripture tells us God considers you a fool. If you don't know God, you're a fool. You might not, not be as big a fool as some other fools, but you're still considered a fool. If you know Jesus and put your trust in Him, God considers you wise. And you may not be as wise as other wise people, but you're considered wise. And do you notice that there's no middle ground there? There's no gray area in the middle. It sounds oversimplified, I know. The world today tells us the complete opposite. The world says regarding God, there's many gods. There's not just one. It's not black and white. There's many ways up the mountain. Many saviors. They do say there's maybe one creator, but many saviors. About heaven and hell, they say, well, we're not sure that hell even exists. And heaven, don't worry about it. Good people go to heaven. All you need to do is do good in the world. And lately we've seen even the fluidity around gender. It's not male and female anymore. No, there's many variants in between. But the Bible clearly teaches male and female. So here in Psalm 1, and actually Psalm 2 as well, the two of them is a unit, we are reminded of this contrast. And the more the world tries to define itself in ways that suits the wicked heart, Scripture brings us back to this clear truth. There's two kinds of people in the world, the blessed and the cursed. And to be clear, it's blessed by God and cursed by God. God is sovereign. Blessing and curse belongs to Him alone. And the secret to unlocking a correct understanding about these two categories of people is not to look at the world through our own eyes and try and define the world in our own way. The right way is to look towards the Creator who created us and find out what does He see in us and what truth about what he sees does he share with us as his creation? And this is what God shares with us. Luckily for us as believers, we have the Bible. It's God's inspired wisdom. And through the Bible, we see God sharing with us what is our heart. Because without him telling us where our heart is, we would not know. Without him giving us his law we would not have a mirror to see what sin is. So God is revealing to us truth about what He sees in humanity. God sees blessed people. He sees cursed people. He sees saved people, unsaved people. He sees wise people, foolish people. He sees good trees, bad trees. Good fruit, bad fruit. True teachers, bad teachers. True prophets, Bad prophets. 
Wherever we look in Scripture, we can find this contrast. And we'll come back to this contrast a bit later. So before we start going through from verse, verse 1, please bow your heads and pray with me. Our Almighty God and Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise and glorify your name this morning on the first day of the year for your faithfulness. Lord, your faithfulness that is behind us in 2022, but also, Lord, we praise you for the faithfulness that is in front of us. We pray that your life-giving truth that is recorded in Scripture, in the Bible, will be opened to us through your Holy Spirit this morning. We pray, Lord, that you give us ears to hear and a heart that understands and that each one of us will honestly examine our heart whether we have a personal relationship with you. Lord, I pray that anyone sitting here that is doubting that personal relationship, anyone that is unsure about their eternal security in you, that they would be deeply affected by your truth this morning and not leave before calling out to you and receiving new life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a little bit of background just as before we start on verse 1. So the book of Psalms, the central purpose of the book of Psalms is to bring praise to God and to encourage believers. It's revealed to us through the 150 Psalms that have been collected in the book of Psalms. And while we believe that the ultimate author is God through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Humanly speaking, we know of at least seven or eight authors, and there's a few unknown authors. David wrote most of the Psalms, I think about 73 Psalms in total, but we've also got Asaph, the sons of Korah, Solomon, Moses, Heman, Ethan, Ezra, and like I said, a few Psalms have got unknown authors. It's important to note that Psalm 1 is not Psalm 1 because it was written first. The first written Psalm is Psalm 90, written by Moses about 1,400 years before Christ. The last Psalm written is Psalm 126, most likely by Ezra. So there's about a thousand year span between the first psalm and the last psalm. So in this thousand year period, the 150 psalms were composed and inspired by the Holy Spirit and combined in this book of psalms that we have today. So inspiration has also gone into the order of the psalms. So we need to think about why is Psalm 1 and 2 presented first? And I, I talk about Psalm 1 and 2 because they're widely seen as a unit. And I want to put to you this morning that Psalm 1 and 2 is kind of gatekeepers, if you will. As we enter into this book of Psalms that is praise to our God, these two Psalms stand at the gates as pillars, and they're reminding us of the solid core truth as we enter into this book of praise to our Lord. But also, more importantly, 
how Psalm 1 and 2 points to Christ. Psalm 1 is not a typical psalm where you see the psalmist uh, contemplating uh, for his life and pleading to God for salvation, like we see many of David's psalms as he was chased by his enemies. Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 is also not a typical praise psalm where the attributes of God is glorified. Like I said earlier, Psalm 1 is more like a wisdom meditation by the psalmist. And since it is perfectly inspired by God, we know that it's perfect wisdom. And so this psalm gives us a model of how we ought to think about ourselves. And this is where this contrast comes in. This contrast is not given to us by God so that we can point the finger at others and say, ah, blessed, cursed. Sadly, we do that all the time. This psalm is to challenge you this morning to look inside your own heart. And so with that, the question to you this morning is which side of the divide are you sitting on? Are you the blessed man, the blessed woman, the blessed boy or the blessed girl that Psalm 1 talks about? Or are you the cursed man, the cursed woman, or the cursed boy or girl that we learn of here in Psalm 1? And I know that you all came here willingly this morning. Well, for some of the youth, willing might be a stretch. But... You all came. You were not forced. We all stood up. We sang together. We prayed together. But let's be clear. Psalm 1 is not asking you, where is your body this morning? Psalm 1 is asking you, where is your mind and where is your heart? So this is what we are challenged with on this first day of 2023. Where is our hearts and our minds for the year that it's ahead? So please, with that, look with me at Psalm 1, verse 1. And we'll stop on the very first three words. Blessed is the one. Verse 1 starts with blessed is the one. Very specifically, the one, the person. Do you note that it's not blessed is the prime minister or the school principal or the music teacher or somebody else? Some of the translations say, blessed is the person. So it's very specific. We know that salvation through Christ is individual. God doesn't save groups unless everybody in the group believes God saves individuals. Also the word blessed, what does this mean? The Hebrew root word is esher. And it means to have a deep-seated joy and contentment in the Lord. And we should not forget the in the Lord bit. You cannot be blessed outside of God. Even in English, the word blessed has an undeniable connection with God. It cannot be separated. So blessed is the person means that person has got a deep-seated joy and contentment or in other words, is fully satisfied 
in the Lord. It does not mean material possessions. Blessing does not mean success. It does not mean necessarily health. Blessing from God very specifically means deep-seated joy and contentment in your heart. And so that is regardless of the difficulties and the sufferings we go through. In the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our sickness, in the midst of our difficulties, there's a supernatural reality of this blessedness, this contentment, this joy that flows into your heart and into your soul. So even though you go through suffering, deep in your heart, you are not bitter. Deep in your heart, your heart sings to the Lord. And the Lord sustains you even through the most difficult times. So even through difficulty, the righteous man is blessed. And it's the same river that flows into your soul that gives you the courage, and I say courage, to not hit back but turn the other cheek. It's the same river that gives you the strength to not take revenge but to forgive and leave the vengeance to the Lord. This is what it means to be a blessed person. We continue on in verse 1. Who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. These words kind of reminded me of two things. The first one was the Ten Commandments. Now when it says you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not, you shall not. Kind of reminds me of this. The righteous man shall not walk in this way, he shall not stand in this way, he shall not sit in this company. But it also reminded me of Jesus' words that we read from Matthew. Talking about entering through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And I also noted a progression in this. It starts with walking in a direction, then standing still, investigating something, and then sitting down. Have you ever heard the saying, be careful of what you think, because what you think you will say, what you say you will do, and what you do you become? I've heard that in so many corporate self-help causes. But it's based on truth. Here it says, the righteous man does not think in a specific way. He does not speak in a specific way because his heart is not directed towards the world. His heart is directed where he belongs, and that is with Christ. That is why the righteous person does not walk in step with the world and does not sit with mockers. And just briefly on those last few words, in the company of mockers, I think we all can easily... Um, deduct that the company of mockers is the ungodly, the unbelieving, the secular world. But I believe the company of mockers also include the overly righteous. The blessed person is discerning enough to know that ungodly counsel 
can come from both these sources. And on top of that, the blessed person also can discern that ungodly counsel can come from his own heart. Jeremiah 19 says, The heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. So what truth is there to stand on? If you cannot rely on your heart, what do we have? Well, we have this black and white truth that God has given us in His Word. Verse 2. But whose delight is in the law of the, law of the Lord, so this righteous person who does not walk in a certain way, his delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on His law day and night. So in verse 1, we saw the negative, what the righteous person shall not do. And now we see the positive. The righteous person's delight is in the law of the Lord. And throughout Psalms, what it means with the law of the Lord is all of Scripture. Don't make the mistake to think it's only the Ten Commandments. When asked, Jesus said in Mark 12, what is the law? Love God and love each other. Love is the foundation of the law. This is the heart of stone that is being removed and us giving a heart of flesh. So this heart of flesh is a heart that delights in loving God and loving God's people. This heart of flesh that does not walk in a certain way, does not sit with mockers, delights in loving God and loving God's people. And this heart of flesh delights in meditating on God's law. In other words, meditating on God's word. All of God's word. So this love for God fills us with a desire to understand correctly what God's word says. Now, this is in direct contrast with what, for example, Eastern meditation teaches us. We've heard Ruth giving testimony about her time. But Eastern meditation teaches us that the goal is to empty your mind and empty your heart so that you don't desire anything. Rid yourself of desire. And for a lot, that sounds like wisdom. Rid yourself of material desire. But God's word says no. You were created to be filled with delight in your heart. And your delight is in the Lord and in His truth. This person, verse 3, this person that has that delight in his heart is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. So the thing I noted here, that it says this tree is planted by water. We are not trees that randomly grow in the field, and you just have to be content with ever, wherever you grow. No, this says there's a gardener. And this gardener specifically selects a position for a specific tree to be planted, close to everything that it needs. Next to a river, the tree has everything it needs to grow strong, put down deep roots, 
and it delivers stability, strength. And it allows this tree to bear fruit in season. So yes, the fruit we have is in season. Do not become discouraged when you go through times where your Christian life or your faith feels like there's no fruit. Because one of the fruits of the Spirit is patience. Just have patience. We read from Matthew 7 that Jesus says, by their fruit you will recognize them. And we are taught the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. So this tree that bears fruit has got leaves that does not wither. It's a tree that does not show signs of decay. We've got an eternal reality. We are forever alive. There's no dead leaves on this tree because we feed from the life-giving water that is Jesus. Whatever he does, the righteous person prospers. And again here, we need to warn against prospers does not mean financial success. It does not mean that this righteous person has the Midas touch or the goose that lays the golden eggs. It's not a verse that supports uh, prosperity gospel. No, this word prospers is directly connected with the first word of the psalm that said blessed. Blessed is the person, deep-seated joy and contentment. So all that this righteous person does in everything they do, they have deep-seated joy and contentment. That's what prospers look like for the Christian, for us. Because we know that God brings wonderful things out of everything that we do. All of our fruit brings deep-seated joy and contentment. So how accurate is this description of your life? In verse 1 to 3, we've described the true believer. We've described somebody that has a heart of flesh that delights in loving God and loving God's people. Not overly righteous, that only fixates on God's word, but doesn't have the heart of love. So how accurate is this of your life? Do you have green leaves that do not wither? So now in verse 4, we start looking at the other side of the contrast. And it starts with, verse 4, not so the wicked. So it's a very decisive line. Not so the wicked. Everything true about the righteous person is not so about the wicked. A stable tree that is planted by a river, not so for the wicked. A fruit that is, uh, sorry, a tree that is fruitful, not so for the wicked. They're barren. Signs of life and whatever they do prospers, not so for the wicked. In fact, the wicked is like chaff that's easily blown away by the wind. 
the cursed or the unbelieving is unstable. You know, chaff is like that shell that you get around a piece of grain that needs to be removed first before the grain can be ground. And that shell has no value. There's no nutritive value. There's nothing. And even there in the field, or wherever it's taken off, if the slightest breeze picks up, the chaff is blown away. This is how unstable the footing of the ungodly are, of the unbeliever, of the unrighteous. The person that does not know Christ. And then verse 5, therefore. So you know when you see the word therefore, you have to ask, why is it therefore? In this case, it's there because of the truth we've just seen in verse 4. Because it is not so for the wicked. Because they do not walk on God's way. And they are not righteous. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment. Nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. So this doesn't mean that sinners won't be judged. Don't understand the, the wicked will not stand in judgment, that they will not appear before Christ to be judged. Now what it means is that they will not remain standing. They've got no um, content. They will be blown away by God's wrath. They will be found guilty. They will not remain standing. Like chaff, the wind will blow them away. And as it was said of King Belshazzar in the book of Daniel 5, verse 27, <clears throat> said, you've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. And what terrible words that must be on the last day to hear from the Lord. Lord, I thought I drove out demons in your name. And Jesus will say, go away, I don't know you. He'll say, you've been weighed and you've been found wanting. Because you believe the world's truth and not my truth, God's truth. And the sinners in the congregation of the righteous, that is the righteous' future glory. It's the truth about our future that is secure. And the sinners will not be part of that. <clears throat> there will be a great and definite divide between the wicked not standing in judgment and the assembly of the righteous. And verse 6 tells us why. It starts with 4. Look there in verse 6. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. So the sinners, the wicked, the do not stand, is because the way that they're on leads to destruction, the broad way. And the righteous remain standing because the Lord watches over them, because they're hidden in Christ. So the sole reason for this separation is that we have a glorious, loving God in heaven that have made a way for us. He calls it the narrow way. And there's a gate through which you enter. He calls it the narrow gate. 
But the truth is, Jesus himself is the gate. We need to enter through him. And because he created this narrow road, he knows every turn. Every cobblestone on that road, he laid himself. That's what it means for the Lord to watch over the way of the righteous. He knows every twist and turn. Even the ones in front of you, beside you, behind you. He watches over you. Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. But, in the middle of verse 6 there, but, and here we see the contrast again. So the same contrast we've seen in the first six verses, we now see reflected in the last verse. But the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Jesus said in Matthew 7 that we read, Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road, or the way, that lead to destruction. And many enter through it. So do you see this very uh, way of destruction that is talked about in Psalm 1? Is the broad way that Jesus talks about and points us to. Many today are on this broad road. And on this broad road you find a lot of company. Even seemingly Christian company. People that understand who Jesus is but pervert some of the core truths about who we are and our sinful desires. At least four times in the book of Acts, Christianity is called the way, the narrow way. And certainly this is the way of the righteous that Psalm 1 is pointing us towards. As we're going into this book, the first gatekeeper is reminding us of this reality. There's a broad way and a narrow way. Jesus continues to say in Matthew 7, small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life. This way that the Lord watches over the righteous person, this way is narrow. Not everybody sees it. Only a few ever find it. How precious is it that you are here this morning and this truth is being revealed to you? How many millions is out in the world that either reject this truth or has not heard it? This truth the Bible is sharing with us is very specific. It's black and white. There's a narrow road. There's a wide road. There's blessed people, there's cursed people. Jesus says in John 14, verse 6, I am the life. Sorry, I am the truth and the life. I am the way. If you have chosen Christ, you are righteous. If you have not chosen Christ, you are cursed. If you choose Christ today, if you choose Jesus today, if you doubt, if you run to him, he will gladly receive you. Run to him. Tell him about your concerns. Tell him about your doubts, your sickness, your worries. Talk to him. 
The Bible says anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will not be denied. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus promises that he will hear you if you call on him. The Bible says when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. When you hear this call from the Holy Spirit, do not deny it. Do not resist him. Exit the Broadway. If you were on the Broadway during 2022, with either your whole life or parts of your life, exit the Broadway. Do not resist God's call. Enter through the narrow gate, which is Jesus. Because on this narrow path, you will find love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. On this path, you will find an eternal home. You will find a room in the city of gold. You will find a place on the new earth in paradise. On this path, you will find a loving Savior with open arms waiting to receive you. Amen. Let us pray. Our loving God and Heavenly Father, Lord, through your Son, our Lord Jesus, we praise and glorify your name for your faithfulness and your provision for us this morning. Lord, we thank you for the life-giving truth of your word. We thank you for Psalm 1 and the confronting truth, the contrasting truth that you share with us about our own world. Lord, I pray that anyone sitting here this morning, anyone who does not know you, does not have eternal life, or anyone that doubts, that they would be deeply stirred and affected by your word this morning through the Holy Spirit, and that they would not leave this morning with crying out to you and receiving new life on this first day of the new year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, musicians.